This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome in, everyone, to the Barreled Up podcast. I'm your host, Jim Riley. Thank you for joining us today. And please, if you have not yet, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Help us introduce the Barreled Up podcast to more listeners. And of course, if you haven't yet, make sure to turn on the automatic download so you get the content as soon as it's posted to the feed. I'm excited because joining me today Joining the pod is a three-time All-Star, a four-time gold winner, a two-time Silver Slugger. In 2001, he finished third in the MVP voting with the Seattle Mariners. He has hit more than 250 home runs and compiled more than 1,000 RBI. He is a third-generational baseball player, and right now he is the host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original, the most notable names in MLB in all-around sports every week. Joining me, it is Brett Boone. Brett, how are you, sir? What's up? What an intro, guys. Now, it's good to be here. Um, let's have some fun. Let's do it. Now, I, doing my research, as all good hosts will do before having a guest, I came across this Daniel Boone thing. Is it is it legit? Are you guys descendants of Daniel Boone? I think so. You know, I, I think it came about during my career, and, and I don't know how somebody figured it out. We've all yeah. kind of joked in our family. You know, you wonder if yeah. Daniel's in our family. Right. And I, I think it came about during a rain delay or something when the reporters were bored. And somebody started yeah. digging in and, and got into the story and then dug some more. Yep. And by all accounts, I've never done it myself. I've never done an Ancestry.com or anything mm. like that. But I, I've heard it from more than one source, and and I consider these guys pretty credible guys that do do research for a living. Uh, they said yes, so I, I'm just assuming. I'm sure Aaron, I'm sure Matthew, my brother, uh, my dad. I'm sure they'll give you the same answer. We've been told so. So they, who knows? So at that point, just go with it. If the people just that do research, it. yeah, right. the people that do research, you, you get bored reporters. They start looking and digging. Uh, they'll find some stuff now. You, you bring that up, and I, and I wanted to kind of talk about that just real quick because we do have some big news in, in that sort of rocked MLB today. We're going to get to that in, in just a second. But what's it like growing up in a major league clubhouse like you did? Your grandfather played at the major league level. Your father played at the major league level. And your brother, obviously, we all know, and he's currently skipper of a pretty prominent team. What's it like? What's it like growing up in a major league clubhouse, being exposed to all of that, having all of that baseball around you from a young age as you're growing up? Well, I think when you're going through it, you really, this is just normal life. This is right. All I, this is all I knew, you know, mm -hmm. um, I credit to my friends growing up because they didn't make it like it was a big deal. You know, I grew up in just over the bridge, uh, 
in Medford, New Jersey, about a yeah, half hour to uh, Philadelphia, where dad played for the Phillies for the, all of the 70s. And I had a great bunch of buddies. You know, I'd go to the ballpark whenever I could possibly go. If dad didn't let me, I mean, that was that was like the worst day of my life. But <clears throat> my buddies didn't make me feel like I was anything special. If 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 anything, the other way, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's really no big deal. And by the way, you, the Phillies stink and your dad stinks this year. You know, it was that <laughs> kind of relationship I had with my friends. Right. So they, I was very grounded in that. I didn't think it was a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're a kid and that's what you that's all, you know. Yeah. So as life goes on and, and the journey I've been on in my life, uh, you know, I've been a lot of places, done a lot of things. And but when I look back, some of my fondest memories to this day, you know, it was great. Uh, <clears throat> great growing up. Great plan, you know, doing this for a living for a lot of years. And now I'm retired and a dad. And some of my fondest memories in the game of baseball mm-hmm. came from my childhood, being with dad's Phillies in the 70s and, and winning the World Series in 1980. Those are some of my fondest moments yeah. uh, or memories. But now being an adult, being 54 years old, I look back. I, I was a naive kid, but a blessed kid. And, and really, I think it's attributed to my dad. Uh, he didn't make it seem, mom and dad, didn't make it seem like it was a big deal. Um, you know, early in my childhood, my grandfather was a big influence on me, especially especially baseball-wise. He never made it to be a big deal. So really, we didn't we didn't know anything else. It was yeah. it was introduced to the game, mm-hmm. and hopefully, kid, you love it and and you want to do this for a living. And uh, but there was there there was an ounce of pressure. I never felt pressure in any way. I played all sports. I played football, basketball, soccer, baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, midway through high school, I started concentrating on baseball but uh i I lived a pretty blessed childhood and uh a lot of great memories you know hanging out the question you know a lot of us get asked when once we're done playing uh or when you're playing when you're growing up who's your favorite player i never had one i i loved them all you know i come to the ballpark and this is dating myself a little bit but we're talking greg luzinski and gary maddox and manny trio and pete rose and mike schmidt Mm -hmm. and steve carlton uh, those were all my favorite players. Depends right. who got depends who got two hits and hit a homer that night. That was my favorite player for the night. But I didn't have a mm-hmm. favorite player. I just loved being with all of them. Moving on, my dad went to the Angels, and that was a star-studded team. You know, you had Freddie Lynn and Reggie Jackson and Rod Carew and Bobby Gritch. And, uh, you know, I remember those days. I was getting a little bit older then. You know, I was in high school, and I was starting to get serious about baseball. So, so kind of my childhood was over. But I still got to live those live those days and get to go and be around those guys. So uh, once again, just a blessed childhood. Yeah. And you ask, I don't know how much it helped me <laughs> in my right. career. I, I know it didn't hurt me. How about that? Fair right. Much. No, I mean, it's, it, it's gotta be something. And, and you talk about those memories being, you know, some of your greatest memories. That's um, it's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Let's um, let's, let's transition to today. And the news that we got, uh, like I said, sort of rocking, uh, in a sense, the baseball world where Max Scherzer is going to miss the rest of the season with muscle strain. And I know you were on earlier today uh, talking with um, 103.5. I'm, I'm blanking on the station now, uh, but you were on earlier somewhere, today as a guest. Somewhere in Dallas. It was one of the Dallas stations. And I, the news had not broke yet. Uh, but now it has. 
mm-hmm. I guess your thoughts on this news and can the Rangers, how does it impact what they can achieve this year without Max Scherzer in that rotation down an ace? Right. Does it bring the does it limit what they can get done? It doesn't help. You know, and whenever I hear he's done for the year, but maybe he's there for the postseason. I know Max Scherzer, he's in the twilight of his career. He doesn't want to miss any time. You know, this might be his last run at, at yeah. trying to win a ring. So I know it's not we're we're just we're just uh on the side of caution here. Now it's yep. it's something that he really needs to be shut down. So if they say we're shutting you down for the season, there's no guarantees there's gonna be anything after the season. Uh Texas Rangers, this ball club. A gifted, gifted offensive team. You know, only I'd say the only team probably in all of baseball that maybe is a little better offensively would be the Atlanta Braves. But Atlanta Braves are better at everything yeah. this year. They're they're yeah. that they're that team. Um, that being said, they they they're used to this. They they lost a Degrom early in the season. You know, coming over mm-hmm. arguably went healthy, the best pitcher in baseball. He went down. They found a way to fight through that. They've had a great uh, Bruce Bochy going over to the Texas Rangers. Uh, kind of rekindled that franchise it's it, it was cool seeing it and at the beginning i thought well this is a feel-good story this is great bruce i played for bruce in san diego uh, awesome guy awesome manager probably gonna be in the hall of fame one day uh is this a feel-good story we haven't seen texas at the top of that division for a long time and all of a sudden they are oh it's great as the months rolled on you started to watch especially this offense yeah. how special they they really are mm-hmm. i look at that rotation before today and i think you give me a healthy max scherzer you give me a Nathan Avalde, who before he went down and got hurt, was pitching at a Cy Young level. Mm-hmm. Gray's done a great job for him this year. Haney, uh, the pickup at the trade deadline, Montgomery, mm-hmm. has done good. So I just was thinking, if all those guys are healthy right there, that's a pretty formidable rotation and pretty deep with Montgomery being at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty deep rotation. Um, but you're missing to ground. We're, we're not talking about winning now. We're Now we want to... Texas in a position, we got to get to the table before we talk mm-hmm. about postseason. But going in the postseason down a true ace, I think Evaldi can be called a true ace if he gets his stuff back in his pitching like mm-hmm. he was early in the season. I mean, he's got dominant stop you in your track stuff when he's got his good stuff. So he could be an ace, but really to win that deep without a power bullpen, which the Texas Rangers don't have, right? You got to be awful good. You got to have two horses. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I date myself once again. I go back to 2001 when it was Schilling and Randy Johnson. And yes. they basically carried their team to the World Series that year. I'm not saying you have to do that. But in a day and age, I think their 12th, uh, their bullpen's ranked 12th in the Nash, in the American League. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think their overall, maybe, yeah. I think their overall pitching staff's ranked ninth, right in the middle of the pack. When it comes postseason, you got to be a little bit better than that on the pitching side. I think the Dodgers in the National League right now are proving that to be true. They're in the middle of the pack. They've pitched in the middle of the pack, but they're winning the division by 13 games. Different in the American League West. You got the Texas Rangers, you got the Houston Astros, and nobody's been talking about Houston all year, and they quietly just slip back into first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to be formidable. The Seattle Mariners, since the All-Star breaks, been pretty much as good as anybody. They're back in the race. So you got. Texas, Seattle, Houston, and I'm and I'm going to lay the fourth one on you. Not in the division, but Toronto. There's four. Yeah. There's four really good teams that, when I look at them on paper, can go. All four can go deep into the postseason, but there's only three spots. So one right. of them isn't going to get it. 
we'll see what happens. Uh, Evaldi's really got to pick up, pick up the slack now. We're going to see what they do. It seems like their offense is starting to click. I think as we, mm-hmm. as we uh, are, are, are doing this podcast, they're up over the Toronto Blue Jays. They've, they've yes, scored they are. runs in the last three or four games. So they're getting back. They hit a little bit of a skid. They lost eight in a row, and they had a really rough stretch of about 25 games. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like they're right in the ship right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But but this morning, with a healthy Scherzer, if those that MRI came back and everything was good and he was going to make his next start, I would almost say I think the Texas Rangers are going to win the American League West. I got to pull that back now with mm-hmm. Scherzer being on the shelf. So we'll see what happens. It's going to yeah. be a battle. It's going to be a fun race. It almost, with and as of recording, you mentioned it, the Rangers are up 7 to nothing on the right. Toronto Blue Jays, which they're looking to take – with this, the first three games of the series, they'll play one more tomorrow. But that'll be a five-game winning streak for the Rangers after mm-hmm. this one is done. And does this almost get to a point where the Rangers, if, if you can win during these times as a ball player, sort of put it back in your shoes, you're in the dugout there with the rest of the team. You're looking at this. Does it give you the confidence to say, you know what? We can get the job done no matter who's here, no matter who goes down. They've also, they're also playing without Young. Young has been down. I mean, he was one of their best hitters. And now they've got a lot of other oh, Gar- weapons there. Out. Garcia's yep. been out. He's, he's on, on the IL. IL. He's going to come mm-hmm. back. I mean, he's got 100 ribbies. Yeah. Uh, but this offense is so powerful, even without those guys. They're so good that that if you're missing a guy or two, they're so talented, they can make up for that on the offensive side of the ball. Now, don't, don't let me discount. I'm, I don't mean to discount this starting rotation in, in any way. Montgomery, Dunning. Uh, Evalde, Gray, Haney. I, these are good big league pitchers. I'm talking, are are they good enough to win that division, beat Houston, beat Seattle? Yeah. Who Seattle, I think, has the best starting rotation. Yeah. Uh, are they good enough to beat them? And then once you get to the postseason, we always talk about, oh, you got to get to the postseason. Well, you do. But as players, getting to the postseason isn't good enough. It's no. We get to the postseason, we're winning the World Series. Right. And, and baseball lets you know when you're when you're done playing that particular year. But uh, I, I'm talking about that long term. I think this is still a great, great team. It's just it's going to be interesting to see. And sometimes when things like this happen, it's a rallying cry. Right. And those guys have a heart to heart in that clubhouse. Those 26 guys come together and mm-hmm. say, hey, like you were just saying, it doesn't matter. Hey, we've done it before. DeGrom went down and look where, how we played all year. Right now, our big guy Scherzer are going down. Hey, hopefully we get you back in the postseason. But our job now is to get you to the postseason. So I think it's going to be an interesting race. I really like Texas as a whole. I love the guy at the top, Bruce Bochy. He's he's as good as yeah. they come. So uh, it's going to be a fun race and an interesting race. Yeah, that leadership there, having having Bochy at the top, um, having other veterans. I think that 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 certainly certainly helps them and. You brought up the Mariners, and we have to touch on the Mariners because of your your history there. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on this season? This you, you talk about the rotation being one of the best. I I mean, listen with Castillo and Gilbert at the top. I believe you have two lockdown. You can trust ten out of ten time aces, and that's what you want when you head into a postseason series because you just you want to put them out there, and you want to know six, seven strong. We got to win. This has been a great season for them with the pitching. The hitting is they strike out a lot, um, but they also have Julio Rodriguez, who's on a on a heater that right now that, that it's hard to compare to. Your thoughts on the season that Seattle's had so far? Well, I've always paid 
close attention to the Mariners. You know, obviously I spent a lot of years there. I got a lot of memories there. But, um, you know, it was a long haul in between postseason as pretty pretty well documented in, in the media. Uh, I yeah. think it was 20, 22 years <laughs> in between going to the playoffs or 21 mm-hmm. years, 21 years. Uh, last uh, two years, they won 90 games. Um, this year, you know, I was at the All-Star at the All-Star game for the festivities this year. And Seattle rolled out the red carpet. They did a great job. Last time I was there in an all-star setting was 2001, and I was there for the game. Uh, but they did a great job. But the what I heard from the people there in Seattle, the fans, uh, people tied to the Seattle Mariners that work for the Seattle Mariners, was, man, what, what a great place. We're so happy that it's back here at T-Mobile. used to be Safeco Field. Mm-hmm. Just wish we were in a better position team-wise. Because at the time, they were 10, 11 games out in the division. Since then, they've been as good as anybody in baseball. They went on one of those unbelievable runs. You mentioned uh, Julio Rodriguez, their star player, uh, had a second half for the for the ages, what he's yep. been doing. Mm-hmm. And um, this rotation with Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, and the two young guys, Miller and Wu, at the back end of that, they're as good as anybody I've seen out there, mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Scherzer's healthy. It's a different discussion. That one, two is pretty tough to beat. But that being said, they're as tough as anybody. They got a really, really mm-hmm. talented, good bullpen. Uh, they hit in the middle of the pack, but they hit home runs. Uh, they defense well. And uh, you go to Seattle. I, my my years there in the early 2000s, uh, and I try to tell people the electricity and, and the way that Seattle, you know, you, you think of Boston, you think of Yankee fans, you think of Met fans, uh, you think of Philly fans as those, oh, they really support their team. I'm telling you what, when Seattle wins, I've never, I've been everywhere and I've never seen anything like that city when it's on fire in 2001, 2002, 2003. I mean, it was like a rock, rock concert every night. So that city's pretty special. Last year, I thought they should have gone farther than they did. They had Verlander on the ropes, game one, seven, nothing. Houston came back and beat him and, and you can't let, a team like Houston come back from that deficit. And then the rest was history. They lost the series. I think they got swept. If they win that game, I think they might go on. But anyway, that doesn't matter. That was a year ago when they lost. Uh, really talented team. Got hot at the right time. Uh, got as hot as you could get all of a sudden. Had a little last couple of weeks. Been a little rough. But all of a sudden, they won a couple in a row now. Uh, so they're back to their winning ways. That pitching staff. Pitching doesn't go away. For me, uh, being a hitter, I love talking, hitting. I love hitting. I love hitting homers. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, give me some horses on the mound because I know that's yep. what it takes, especially come postseason. And Seattle's definitely got those. Thoughts on the George Kirby comments? Um, is 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 everything? Do you think the pitch? I think in in Seattle, uh, you know, Seattle Mariners Nation. There's there's been comments about how Munoz was out there three straight days and, and then he had a hip thing. And then Kirby's commenting about uh, he didn't feel like he should go out for another inning is do, do, do we trust that? I mean, I guess two things, I guess your, 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 your feelings as a ball player, if you're there and you hear your pitcher saying that he didn't want to, he, he didn't think he should have gone out for another inning. Um, does, does, does that sit well with you? And then from a, from a perspective of you know somebody who now analyzes the situation, right. do you feel like Seattle's? It, it, do you think something might be going on there where they don't feel like, or maybe that 
uh, the arms are not being managed in the best way at, at this time of year as they try to gear up for a postseason run. Well, I think you put it well. I've got to take it as the player and then take it as an analyst. Uh, first of all, I learned a long time ago when I got on this side of the microphone that I'm not going to be that guy, get off my lawn. It was better than when, when we played. Uh, mm. This isn't my game anymore. This isn't right. my generation's game. The guys playing today, it's their game. And yep. one day, it's going to be the kids of today's game. So we all move on. Uh, this game is much bigger than any one of us. So I'm far from the guy, oh, when I played, we would have never put up with that. Right. No. My, my instant reaction to that is I've never seen a pitcher say anything like that on Mike. Maybe thought it. Maybe mm-hmm. behind closed doors, but I've never seen it verbalized in yeah. a public interview. Yeah. Uh, so I was a little bit taken aback. Now I took a breath and I thought, okay, it's a young kid. It's a, it's a talented kid. Uh, and he's talking about 90 pitches. Well, then a, a light went on. Everything that's going on in the game today, things I, I really like, things I don't like at all, and I think are detrimental to the game. But the bottom line is, this is how the kids today are brought up. This is what they're told. 90 pitches in my, it doesn't matter what my generation did. You, you're going right. to hear a Roger Clemens type pitchers. And, you know, Nolan Ryan's going to say, I'll throw 200 pitches, mm-hmm. different time, different time, different mindset. The kids today are not brought up to do that. Now I feel, still think your aces, the Verlanders of the world, the Scherzers, they take the mound with the mindset of I'm going nine, but these younger players coming up today. And now you see with the power bullpens and, and a lot of the monies are put into bullpens where in my day, if you weren't good enough to be a starter, you go into the bullpen. Nowadays they're starting to breed bullpen guys out of the minor leagues. So they turn you into a power arm early. So it's a different dynamic. They want to get to those, to that bullpen. So basically they're setting up starting pitchers in the big leagues today is, Hey, we need everything you got for five. Give us five. Maybe if you're a star, give us six. So that's the mindset and that's the culture they're brought up in. So I don't completely blame George Kirby because that's how he was brought up and he doesn't know any better. That being said, he knows better than to say that publicly. Mm-hmm. You got Scott Service, who played in my generation, as your skipper, and you say, I wish I wasn't out there anyway. Well, if I'm the skipper and I'm looking at that, now Scott's been managing for a while, so he's managed old school. He's seen the new school. So I'm sure he's well-versed and, and very adjusted to that, and he's used to It's different than when we played. But to hear that as a skipper, his first reaction, I could only imagine what it was been. George came back the next day, apologized. Um, I talked to a couple buddies of mine that still live in the Seattle area that are close to the team. And I asked him about George Kirby because I don't know him personally. And, and the overwhelming response was Booney. This guy's got balls. This guy's a gamer. That's completely out of uh, context for him. It's not something that I would ever imagine he would say. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of that. And these people I'm talking to are, are baseball people that know what they're talking about. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to heed their advice and say, Hey, trust me, this guy's a gamer. He's got balls and he's, you want him in your corner in a big game. Yeah. I think an interesting uh, look is going to be his next start, which I think is the Mariners next game is Kirby's next start to mm-hmm. see how he comes back because he did get beat up a little bit in social media i saw a lot of the big uh you know i i saw some hall of famers co- uh commenting on twitter which <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. enter- it's entertaining for me but i but i've learned that it's best to to sometimes keep my hands on myself and just read the comments instead of actually comment he's read those i'm sure he's got a lot of backlash it's a, i i think that it'd be best for him if he took this as a learning opportunity moved on but it's going to be really interesting how his next start is and if he's feeling that at all 
from my playing career, I've learned this. Our game is so hard. We got to do it for 162 games. If we're fortunate enough, we get to go to the postseason. If you're really fortunate, you get to go to a World Series. It is so hard, and we have enough pressure on ourselves. Yeah. Why add to it? Right. <laughs> you know, that yep. just adds some stuff you don't need. And, no. uh, you know, he made it. He made a mistake. Who doesn't make mistakes? He's young. I, I look back, and if you if you critiqued everything Brett Boone did at, at George Kirby's age, well, I'd probably hmm. be, you could probably be pretty critical of some of the things I did and said. So I'm not no. going to sit here and, and say, oh, how dare you in our game. But at the same time, uh, this was a stumble, and he's going to learn mm -hmm. from it. And, and I'm going to be really impressed if he comes back tomorrow night and yeah. shoves. <laughs> I'm going to be really he's, impressed if he does that. Big game coming up for him on Friday will be his it's next Friday, starting. Yeah. Again, Friday. Yeah. They have tomorrow, Friday against the Dodgers. So big yeah. game. Um, I'll, and be, it's, I'll be there, by the way. And there you go. There you go. It's You think about, you talk about all that pressure and, and, and everything. You, you, it's a hard game. And on top of it, after the game, you have reporters in your face asking you questions. Sure. People, when when he has to deal with that, you know, he say 27 starts. So 27 times he's had mics in his face asking him questions. Right. And you're just, you're talking. And I, you know, listen, I mean, you want to give him heat. You want to give him heat, those that did. Um, at some point, there's a there's a level where maybe he's just trying to be completely honest, completely transparent, and you can't say he's, that. He's telling you what he's thinking, <laughs> I and, I and that came out. You are you can't say that. But that yeah, we're a very forgiving society. Yes, and you know what makes everything going away go away? Winning. Going out kicking butt and winning. Mm -hmm. Yep. If George Kirby goes out tomorrow night and pitches a gem, and then in five days from now he pitches another great game. This will be so far in his rearview mirror and a learning learning moment for him mm -hmm. that it'll be a blip on the radar. Yeah. If it goes the other way, that scrutiny is going to continue. Did oh, you know, because reporters do what reporters do. They report. They they right. need to it's a story. It's a right. headline. We got we got to report on it. You know, I had a lot during my career where I was frustrated at some uh some angles some reporters were covering. And you can get frustrated as an athlete and go to these reporters who you live with on a daily basis, especially the beat writers, and go, hey, you know, Joe, hypothetical name, what's going on with this angle you're taking? And a lot of times I'd have a good discussion with the reporter and say, Booney, I don't want to do this. I got to do my job. I have a boss to answer to. So you understand. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes you say things that you wish you could take back. I did it a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, but this one, you know, it's it's all about going out and playing well. As long as you go out and pitch the way you can pitch, this would be a blip on the radar. You bring up this is this great transition to to the next thing I wanted to ask you about. You know, you can make up for saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing by going out next time and performing and pitching well and doing your best. But no, not there's doing a your best. Pitching well, well. pitching well. There doing is your best the, doesn't count in the big. Good league. point. No, it's a good point. <laughs> the the there's a there's a, there's a player out there that didn't even did not do that. Um, and this is away from this Seattle situation. This is with Toronto and the news yeah. on Alec yeah. Manoa. Oh, that too. So this is a bizarre situation where Alec Manoa has struggled this year. Mm -hmm. Anybody that is un unaware had a terrible year on the mound. If it was the pitch clock, if it was conditioning, if it was something between the ears, if it was just a bad year, whatever it was, 2023 has been bad for him. 
Hyunjin Ryu came back, put the Blue Jays in a situation where they had a six-man rotation. So there was going mm-hmm. to be an odd man out. The player that was not performing well was on their way out, was going to be either moved to the right. bullpen or sent to the minor leagues. Alec Manoa was optioned to AAA on August 11th. Didn't report for two weeks. And when he did report, there's been no throwing, no side sessions, no bullpens, nothing. How does this, from a, from a, from your side of things, from your perspective, a, a, a guy's hogging a roster spot, he's hogging a 40-man, this team's trying to win a World Series, and he is letting the team down, putting himself in a position where, I don't know, he's 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 viewing his situation as bigger than the team because if let's say, forbid, you say Kikuchi gets hurt and the Blue Jays need need Alec Manoa back. Well, now Alec Manoa is not there. They're going to have to go to somebody else that they're not comfortable with. They're not ready to put in there. Thoughts on, from a, from a player's perspective, my guy didn't show up and seems to have quit on the team. This Manoa situation is, is really bizarre in your perspective on that. Well, it's a character thing. Um, listen, we all have tough times in this game. I remember 1993. I got sent to the minor leagues three times by Lou Pinella. Didn't always didn't always deserve it. I remember one time I was playing Cleveland. I swung at a 3-2 pitch over my head with a runner on third and less than two outs, and I came back. I think I was hitting 320. Limited at bats, and Lou Pinella looks at me. <laughs> he said, son, what are you swinging at? I kind of threw the bat in the ground. I said, Lou, did you forget how hard it was? I didn't mean to chase a pitch over my head. Calls me in after, sends me down for the third time. And I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. I, what do I do? I called daddy. Dad, this isn't fair. And my dad was great about this my entire career. He had just finished playing. And he said, are you done being a baby? I said, what do you mean? I'm not a baby. This is unjust. This is BS. And he says, Gret, let me tell you one thing. And dad played in the big leagues for 19 years. He said, life isn't fair. As soon as you realize that, you're going to be a lot better off. He said, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong that he sent you down. Fact is, you're getting sent down. You can't reverse that. Mm-hmm. So I suggest you go to AAA and you kick some butt and force them to bring you back up. This is one of about three or four advice sessions with my dad throughout my career he was right every time and after i cooled down and and yelled some more i got off the phone and i thought about it i said you know that's what i'm gonna do and i went down there and i kicked butt and i came back 10 10 days later and i was in the big leagues for the rest of my career but those are these are moments i got sent down three times that year Mm -hmm. uh 1996 1997 man I'd walk by my hitting coach and he'd say, Booney, don't lose that glove. <laughs> I would be almost in tears after games. You know, I hit 233 and I felt right. like they hit a, a 050. And man, these are learning opportunities for me. And so later in my career, when, when I was having a lot of success, I look back and I remember how hard this game is. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand Manoa. I mean, I had a Cy Young caliber year a year ago and wasn't getting it done this year. You have options. This is the rules of the game. This isn't a, we want Manoa to be as good. Believe me, that Blue Jays organization wants as bad as anybody for Manoa to be Manoa, but he's not. And there's bigger things to bigger fish to fry for the Toronto Blue Jays. They're trying to get a seat at the table for the postseason. And it's not about Alex Manoa. Right. As soon as he realizes that and grows up a little bit, 
he's going to be a lot better off. Uh, I don't know what would have happened in my day. And once again, I'm going back to my day because that's all I know as a player. Sure, yeah. If I wouldn't have shown up for two weeks, Lou Pinella sent me down and I showed up two weeks later, I, I might not be standing here today. Mm-hmm. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game is hard. And, it, it, you know, I've got kids and I've got a son in the minor leagues and, and I've taught him as well as I can. My dad was an unbelievable example for me. I didn't learn anything from my dad from a baseball standpoint. He didn't teach me how to hit, didn't teach me how to throw, didn't teach me how to field. But he taught me how to behave and how to, how to walk into a clubhouse and be a pro. And that's the one thing I took away from my dad. I try to model that to my kids. I try to tell them, you know, I have a son that'll come to me. Dad, what would you do in this situation? I give him the best advice I can. But this is a big boy game. And when you don't get the job done, you get fired. Just like everybody out in the world, you know, that's right. doing whatever their particular job does. One day, you're not doing your job. You will get fired. Mm-hmm. Big leagues, I don't care how good of a year you had last year. It's this year. What are we doing this year? What are we doing this year? And especially when the team has options on you. That's just Mm -hmm. part of the game. It's not the first time it happened. It's not the last. Uh, Once again, this is a a learning moment for a young player. You've got to get your butt up and be first and foremost. You are available to the Toronto Blue Jays whenever they need you to help them get to the postseason and one day maybe win a World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully this will be another a learning moment for another young player. But when I saw that, I just thought back to my times and, and what I'm thinking in my my head. I, I felt like just saying that when I got mm-hmm. sent down. I felt mm-hmm. like taking two weeks. I don't think that would have that served me very well over my career. Mm-hmm. And and right now, what is that puts him in a bad situation. You know, two years from now when – when he's out there and teams are, are are looking, hey, what about Alex Manoa? Oh, remember what he pulled a couple of years ago? It's a character right. thing. These things don't go away until you mm-hmm. earn the right for them to go away. And how do you earn it? You go out and you pitch your butt off. <laughs> and usually that right. stuff goes away. Right. But these little character things, and, and I really am not that big. You know, obviously I've been a little bit critical of these players because they deserve to be criticized in some capacity. But I also realized I, I put myself into those shoes all the time. I was a young player that made a lot of bonehead decisions. Now, if you're 34 years old and behaving this way, now I've got a big problem because you know better. Mm-hmm. But until you know better, I'm going to be a little bit easy, still going to criticize you, but I'm going to be a little easy and hope it's a growing up moment. Don't do it again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, these are two pretty extreme things that I saw in the same. You know, I, I, I saw the Manoa thing about a week ago, and I went, wow, I didn't even know that. And then, I, yeah. you know, that's when you started with him. I had just recently read up on that and found out when it went on. So that's two things I saw in one week that I don't think I've ever seen before. Yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting. You just, you know, flip on MLB.com news or wherever you get your news and, and we're seeing and we're seeing new things. And I, I hope that this Manoa thing can find a good, peaceful resolution. I, I worry that there is a rift now. I mean, I can't imagine the front office is very pleased. So. However extreme the rift is, so. yeah, I would to some degree. There's there are there are negative feelings on both sides, and how this gets resolved. Well, the I most mean, important th- and the most important thing is, and I learned this a long time ago. When I play a game, I don't care the opponent. I don't care if you love me, hate me, like the way I walk, don't like the way I walk. I'm not here for you. You're going to respect how I play this game, but I'm playing for those team, those guys in that clubhouse, mm-hmm. and I got to answer to them. And if I make a bonehead decision, first thing I got to do is tail between my legs. Yeah. 
get right with my teammates. Yeah. And that's the first thing I think probably not till next year that Alex can have to do is get right with those teammates because they don't deserve that, that type of, of treatment. Yep. So as long as you're good with, you know, Fernando Tatis a year ago, he went through that big thing. He got suspended the whole thing. I thought first thing this kid needs to do is a young man made a stupid mistake, mm-hmm. but it happens. First thing you got to do is be right with your teammates. As long as you're right with your teammates, you got a chance. So yeah. as you get them back in the mix and they've got your respect or you've got their respect, now you can go about your business and not worry about it. And it's all about beating your opponent. But, yeah. but that's the one thing I think about when any of this, these little mini scandals come up is, man, I wonder how their teammates, how they, how they receive that. You know, a lot of times now, because I am older and I'm, I'll turn to my son, you know, cause he's in the minor leagues and, I, and I'll say, Jakey, all right. I know how I would react to this. I know how the guys in my right. day would handle this, right. but it's not my day. Son, what would you guys be thinking in your A-ball clubhouse? What and, and then he'll shoot me. And you know what? As much as the game has changed, a lot has stayed the same. Because sure. I get a lot of the same feedback that when I was in that A-ball locker room, that's what we would have done. My son, same thing. He'll, yeah. he'll give me the same feedback. So it's kind of cool that as much as we think all these things have changed, and a lot of things have changed, a lot remains the same. And, and in that clubhouse, a lot's the same as when I was there. And that's that's pretty cool to know. One thing that has changed pretty big are the rules in major league football. And I want to take this to our, our, our next talking point, And that is what we're seeing from Ronald Acuna Jr. What we're seeing in the form of the uptick in stolen bases. We saw the shift go away. We saw the bases get bigger. We've seen limited pickoffs. There's more rules coming down the road what are your thoughts? Somebody threw this out to me the other day on, on the YouTube channel when I was live streaming. I was talking about how I want to see Ronald Acuna go for 4080. I think it's absolutely insane. It's video game numbers. It's stupid numbers, but he's now like three home runs away from 40. So I think that's in the bag. And if he can get to the final weekend of the season, if they don't shut him down and he's maybe five steals away from 80, because I think 70 is probably a safe bet at this point. If he's like five away from 80, I think he's the kind of guy that's like, I'm going for it. Put me out there. I'm going to steal three bases on Friday. I'm going to steal two on Saturday. The numbers. Do you think we are going to look at these numbers and view them differently? Because we're sort of entering a a new era, a, a new rule era that is trying to, you know, get, get the action on the bases going. Are we... What are your what, what's your thought on that? Are we going to look at these stats differently? I, I think a little bit. Okay, I think if Ricky Henderson was a lot was playing today, two hundred, he would make a mockery of it. Yeah. That being said, it doesn't cheapen what what Acuna is doing in my eyes. Uh, what mm-hmm. a, what an unbelievable year he's having. Oh yeah. What he's doing is take, taking advantage of the situation, and I think you hit it on the head at the end of your question when you, these rules were made to encourage base stealing again. And they've hit the mark. Yep. The game is moving along. People are stealing bases. That's what fans want to see. It's easier right now. I'm sure the catchers don't like it too much. But the players that are taking advantage of it and putting up the big steal numbers, I know this. As a player, I always... You know, I wasn't a stolen base guy, 
So I always didn't, I looked at the 2020 thing and the 3030 thing. And I thought, what's the big deal? You know, 20, it's a big deal to hit 20. It's a big deal to hit 30 homers in the big leagues. It's a really big deal to hit 40 home runs in the big. But I don't see the, the pageantry and the, and the greatness of this stolen base thing. The most I think I ever stole in the season was 16. And I remember that year, a couple of the years where I was having a big year. And when you're having a big year like that, you're tired because you're on base all the time. And now mm-hmm. I've got to steal second. I need to rest because I know I'm going to hit a double my next at bat. Right. I had a newfound respect for stealing bases and how hard it is to you can do one or the other. That's still hard, but that's common. To do both, there's a reason that mm-hmm. that 30-30 holds such a, is held in such high regard. 40-40 is kind of the, the North Star. Uh, and I, I had a newfound respect in the middle of my career for, wow, stealing bases is a lot harder than I thought. It's easy. It was easy for me to steal a base here and there. Nobody really paid attention to me. But I noticed that year I stole 16. People started to pay attention like, well, he's not going to steal all the time. But if you give him an opportunity, people started to pay more attention to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when Acuna gets on, they're paying a lot of attention. Yeah, the two the two disengagement help. But you still got to steal that base. And and mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's on the verge of having 200 hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, he's doing a lot. And to steal that many bases, you know, I was I was going over this morning uh, the the uh, the MVP race in the National League. And I'm thinking, OK, you got Mookie Betts in in, in uh, L.A. You got a Freddie Freeman in L.A. having an unbelievable year. And then I said, oh, Acuna. And then well, what about Olsen? And Olsen's yeah. sitting there with 50 and 127, and he's chopped liver because everybody's right. talking about right. a in bets. And yeah. Freddie Freeman's just hitting 335 again with 25, 100, set the all time doubles record for a Dodger in a season. And you still got two weeks to go. Mm-hmm. So these guys are having some great years. But uh, I was thinking, oh, I think Mookie has the, I broke the numbers down today. They're, Kuhn is hitting about 20 points higher. His on base percentage is about the same. Mm-hmm. He's got 10 more runs scored. They're both right at 100 ribbies. They're both leading off with 100 ribbies, by the way. That's another unbelievable thing that they're doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that I separated, if I had to vote today, it's got to be Acuna, just because how much respect I've gained yeah. for that stolen base on top of all the power. It's a mm-hmm. big thing. And and it's uh, if anything, I think it's underappreciated because it's so hard to do. Uh but with this race, if I had to vote today, that's what I'd vote. But it seems like the back and forth with Betts and Acuna, next week we might say, did you see the week Betts just had? Now Betts yeah. in the lead. So it's going to be a cool race for both of them. I think it'll be one of those things where these are voters. These are people right. casting votes. They, they can be swayed. They can be they, they can have their minds changed. They, I think the fact that we just had two weekends ago, Dodgers and Braves go head to head. And I think Acuna came out of that series a little bit better than Mookie Betts in, in terms of what they did on the field. Right. Betts had a great series too, but I think Ronald with home runs in three straight games uh, had the grand slam early in the first game. I think, I think Ronald came out a little bit ahead. So they'll look at that head to head. And again, if Ronald goes 40 and 70, I think those voters will yeah. like, that is a statistical achievement. Never before seen, never even close to right. having been seen. I think yeah. Ronald, with the smaller bases and as many pickoffs as you want, could have gone 40-40 this year. Yeah. 
No, I agree. I, I, I don't. I want to be careful not to cheapen the sixty-five too much. Yeah, maybe right. it's a little buffered with the new rules, mm-hmm. but it's still sixty-five bags when yes. everybody, in the, everybody in the house knows you're going. Yep. Um, no, that's a good point you know, the, because the it's, one, it's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The one thing too about vets that's yeah. is really caught my eye. Mm-hmm. This sucker's played short and second. Yes. I'm just going to come in from right field and play. I've never heard of that in my life. Yep. I mean, I could see second base. I think he came up a second base when him and Pedroia, and Pedroia was at second. So they moved him to right field. So I could see him playing second. But to just yep. go from right field to shortstop at the big league level, shortstop's a different animal. Yeah, it is. You know, I was a shortstop all through my college days. And at day one, when I, you know I got drafted and I went to the little mini camp before they send me off to A-ball, and they said, all right, kids, take your positions. And I start running to short, and I hear a voice say, Boone, you go to second. And I went, gotcha, because I knew I was a second baseman. Mm-hmm. Shortstop at the big league level is a different animal. That's yeah. by far the be- the most skilled defender plays shortstop at all times. You don't make people shortstop. Shortstops are born. Yeah. You, you see people, oh, we turned them into a third base. We turned them into a, a right fielder. Uh, we turned them into a center fielder. You can turn, pe- you turn people into catchers all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't turn people into shortstops. Shortstops are born that way. Yep. Shortstops usually become me, second baseman, or they move over to third. It's just yeah. a different animal. The fact that he's doing that, I give Mookie a few bonus points for that too, having the ability at the big league level to play second and short when you're a right fielder. You mentioned shortstop. Um, Corey Seager, Whoa. along the conversation about the rules, this is yep. another Go situation. Hey. Yeah. Go hey. this- this the, the, this this Corey Seager situation um, with the rules, we're seeing his batting average is up thirty points from his career high. That's another stolen bases is obvious because of the bigger bases and limited pickoffs. But with the with the inability to place your defenders wherever you want anymore, which you had been able to for the right. entire history of baseball, now you can't. Corey Seager's batting average is up thirty points. And there are others who are seeing a significant increase in their batting average. Is that, I mean, again, I, I think I, I get back to like, we have entered a new era, a new rules era. We had the modern era. We had, you know, the dead ball era. I feel like we're in the new rule era where the batting averages, we'll see batting averages up. We'll see stolen bases up and people will just, I don't want to, but it started to come at me when I talk about these stats that maybe some of these numbers will be viewed differently because it's easier for Corey Seager to get hits than it used to be. Well, but you know, I'd have to see the data on all the left-handed hitters in baseball. Corey Seager is mm-hmm. such an accomplished hitter. I was, I was a guy looking at Corey Seager two, three years ago and go, this guy ever can stay healthy. He's an MVP type player. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. if Shohei Otani wasn't in the league, he's, he's definitely in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I'd, I'd have to see the data. You know, I still see guys that, that, hit 210 hit 210 yes and, it's still and happening for the first time in my life i've seen people hit 100 in the 100s consistently and i don't know how you do it it's mm-hmm. easier to hit 300 than it is to hit 190 you gotta you gotta really not get hits to hit 190 right, right. guys are doing it and it's accepted because that what it's the culture it's hit the ball over the fence and get on base mm-hmm. and they and they've cheapened average I don't cheapen average. I think it's going to come back because you realize at the end of the game, when you got that elite closer in the game, he's not going to walk you. I don't care how much you get on base with a walk. Now you're facing an elite closer with elite stuff that ain't going to walk you. Yeah. And a guy with a one in front of his average doesn't have a chance against that guy. Guy with a three, he does. 
Mm-hmm. Tony Gwynn's got a chance against anybody in the world in that ninth inning. Yeah. I want him at the plate. He's because Mariano Rivera, and I'll use one from the past, Mariano Rivera, a uh, class A, uh, name some great closers of today. They're at the end of the game because they don't walk people. They throw strikes. Mm-hmm. So you got to hit your way on. Yeah. And that's the elite guy. I want mm-hmm. the guy hitting 300 at the end. I think we've cheapened it. I think we got a, we get a little overboard with, oh, average isn't important. Hell, it isn't. And, and it's not tougher to hit. Is it just easier for Mookie Betts and Acuna and uh, Freddie Freeman? Is it easy? They're hitting 330. Just must right. be easy for them, but not for the rest of the people. It's a lazy answer. It's right. not tougher. It's the approach right. to the plate. Good hitters are good hitters, and they'll mm-hmm. always hit 300. It's a different game now. Yeah, it's getting more athletic. But at the end of the day, it's very simple. It's the best hitters in the world against the best pitchers in the world. And in 1940, it was the same thing. Well, a little different then because we weren't including, you know, the entire world. But it's always the best players against the best players. And eras are going to change. That's why you can't you can't really compare eras and you can't com- compare a pitcher uh, in 2023 to somebody from 1947. It's not fair. Right. It's generation to generation, just like you can't you can't compare the 1950 all pro team to the 2023 all pro team. It's not a oh, fair yeah. fight. Mm-mm. But if you were great in your generation and you dominated, then you're great. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. And in 50 years from now, we're going to see athlete. Well, I, we, I won't be around, but we're going to see athleticism that mm-hmm. it, the kids today are going to go. Wow. We thought we were good. You know, it's just it's right. life. Life goes on. Everything gets better. Let's. Focus on the, for our last few minutes together, um, predictions in, the, and let's go, let's go to wild card. Okay. Um, who misses that AL wild card between the Mariners, the Rangers and the Blue Jays? Oh, man. Who, yeah, one of them, the, by well, the, the, no, you got to throw Houston in there. Houston's not running away with this thing. I guess, I guess my feeling is that Houston and either Tampa or Baltimore are going to be in, and Baltimore's it's in. Tampa's in. Minnesota's yep. in. I, I, and so yes, you got three it, spots he, left. So Houston. So so we'll add, we can add Houston in there. So we'll be we'll be eliminating two going teams in, going into tonight. Houston has a one game lead over Tampa. Yeah, that's so true. It's not like they're in. They're finally winning. By the way, they're right, they they right. they're up ahead of Oakland six and, to one at the moment. Way, right, Houston. That's a good team right there. Yes, they've, been, yes. they've been under the radar just because they've been so good for so many years now. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. really pays attention. They were everybody's paying attention to the the Baltimore. That's a great story. Yeah, they haven't been anywhere to be heard from for the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Baltimore's there. You know, the, we talk about the Texas Rangers. Uh, Tampa Bay's doing what Tampa Bay does every year. I don't know how they do it. That's that's a yeah, that's a unicorn to me. Unicorn mm-hmm. organization. Uh, uh, so let's assume Baltimore's in, Tampa Bay's in, Minnesota's in. We got three spots. Like I said at the top, it's Houston, Texas, Seattle, and Toronto are the four four people I think have a chance. Yeah, put me on the spot right now. Toronto's out. Three three come from the AL West. Yeah, I mean I think we are we're sort of seeing the Blue Jays struggles playing out in this Texas series. And I think at the end of the day, um, I, I, I think I would agree with you. I, I'm a, I'm a Blue Jays fan. Sometimes I'll be harder on my team than I should be, but I do believe that. I mean, we're, we're almost seeing a mini, a mini playoff series 
play out here with Texas and Toronto. And Texas is just overmatching the Blue right. Jays. Um, let's go to the National League. And I've got four teams for you to choose from on okay. who makes it. Now, right. I'm going to give the teams that are leading their divisions um, at the moment, plus the Cubs. I'm going to give the Cubs a wild card spot. I'm going to give the Brewers either the wild card spot or the Central. Braves that get the East. Phillies get the second wild card spot or one of the other wild card spots. So you're going to make um, me pick one. I'm going to make you pick one. Marlins, Giants, Reds, or Diamondbacks. Of those four, who makes it? You say it again. Giants. Giants, Reds, Reds. Diamondbacks, and Marlins. I'll give you the at the current moment up to date wild card standings in the National League. You have Arizona currently holding. I love how close this is, by the way. For, just from a pennant race, kind of, it's great. I, I, it's, the wild card race is amazing. It's Arizona by a half game over Cincinnati, and then San Francisco is a game behind. Miami is one and a half games behind. And Miami does not have Alcantara or Soler right now. I'm going to say this. I really have no clue because I think it is up for grabs. Completely up it, for it grabs. It kind of I is. Yeah. I, I love Cincinnati. I played there a lot of years. Mm -hmm. uh, David Bell is one of my favorite teammates of all time. I think it's been an unbelievable story, an unbelievable run. I don't think they can pitch enough. Pure and simple. I agree. I agree. If, I ha if you have to make me pick, <laughs> and I don't know why I'm going to say it because they haven't given me a ton of reason to believe in them. Mm hmm but something about that Bay Area, I'm going to put the Giants in. Okay. Yeah, they can pitch. There you go. Giants can pitch. They can pitch. Logan Webb, Alex Cobb. They got a decent yeah. bullpen. Uh, I hope that Patrick Bailey comes back. Uh, I think Patrick Bailey is one of the brightest young catchers in the game right now from what he can do from a framing aspect, hop time, um, his arm strength, clutch hitting. I that's, that's something I hope that San Francisco gets back real soon. Patrick Bailey um, has been... Has been fantastic. So we have San Francisco in, and you're right. It is, it's almost a coin flip right now with how close they are. It's yeah, going to be I think the a Cubs great and, close. I think the Cubs and Phillies are in. Yeah. I think the Cubs and the Phillies are in. I, I, 100%. For sure, the Phillies. Yes. For sure, the Phillies. For sure, Milwaukee. Atlanta mm -hmm. and LA have almost clinched already. So, right. Uh, right. Then it just comes down to basically there's one spot. If, if, mm -hmm. you, if you're, if you're given into the fact that the, I, I mean, but then again, we still have 15 games to go. Anything could happen. Anything. These teams, these teams aren't that good where they can, they can't, they're above losing six out of seven. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like we're talking about, Hey, the Braves need to lose six out of seven. Well, I don't think the Braves are going to lose six out of seven. I don't think no. the Orioles at this, the, the Orioles were a feel good story for a lot of time. They're kind of proven that they're for real now. I don't think yep. the Orioles anytime soon are going to lose six out of seven. So, yeah. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. It's both leagues have, have huge plots and, uh, we'll see how they play out. See if I'm right. Yeah. It, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the close for the AL wild card, the close for the National League wild card. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Brett, tell all of my uh, listeners, we, we we know we can find you on the, the Brett Boone podcast. Talk about anything you got lined up, anything else that you want uh, want my listeners to to know, to hear about that maybe you got in the works. No, check it out. It's, uh, you know, we have, I have 
two guests a week, and then I do a Boone's uh, Turning Two with Booney, and that's just kind of recapping the week, and we'll talk about what Netflix you should be watching, but then we'll we'll touch on stuff we talked about tonight. So we have that once a week, and usually I have a guest uh, Monday and Wednesday, and uh, this last week, who did I have? Uh, I can't even think right now. Oh, I just came off today out was uh, Charlie Steiner. Uh, the Dodger, the Dodgers, the ESPN legend and and the Dodgers play by play guy for the last 15 years. Buddy of mine. He's he's great. I uh, had him on uh, recently. We had Bobby Gritch on uh, an, an, one of the older guys, but a, but a great second baseman. Uh, next week, I've got Sean McDonough. Um, so we keep cranking him out. It seems like, um, you know, the days I don't have a guest by the night, I do have one. So. That's right. all I got right now is Charlie Steiner today, Sean McDonough's next week, and then, then uh, you know, two a week, and then we got the turning two with Booney. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it. It's been a process, been a learning process for me. Uh, amazing the work that goes into to preparing for one of these shows. And and I was on the other side of the microphone for so many years and and took this side for granted, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and now I realize the blood, sweat, and tears that go in. I got a great team with me here at Odyssey. And uh, having a lot of fun, so got yeah. a lot of interesting stuff coming up. It looks like it. I think I think the listeners, the viewers, they can all tell when when fun is being had because it just the guests, the conversations, they all there there's energy to it, and and that's uh, and I definitely picked that up listening and watching your stuff. So make sure those of you listening right now to go check out the Brett Boone podcast on the Odyssey Network, and thank you all for coming in. And listening to the Barreled Up podcast here. Again, make sure if you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, review, help us grow the podcast. And again, turn on those automatic downloads if you haven't. So whenever new content is posted, usually several times a week, you get it right away. Again, thank you all for coming and listening. Brett, thank you for joining us. And I'll catch you guys next time. 